Traveling to consciousness, exploring spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. And we're back for another episode. What's up, guys? How's everyone doing? This week, we got Rachel Gibbler. So Rachel, what's up? How are you doing? Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. We were just discussing and the audience knows that whenever it's a long time coming, these are usually the juiciest podcasts. So I'm excited to see how we're gonna what we're gonna what we're gonna uncover here. Me as well. I'm so sorry. Can you give me one second? I just realized I did not start the cameras. Oh. <laughs> I have two cameras behind me. I'm like, let me do this now. <laughs> For sure. Oh, that's too funny. Okay, we're solid. I'm so sorry. It's so good. We're solid. Okay. <laughs> what do you use the what do you use the cameras for? Is it just for um, I'm shooting I, everything I do, I shoot I have an entire setup behind me right now with three cameras and big dome lights and all the things. Um and my content team takes anything I do and we'll chop it up into stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah. So I can show you it's I've got this whole situation happening. Oh, that's sweet. Behind me. Future goals. <laughs> yeah. Future so goals. thank you. Sorry about that. We are good to go now. Well, let's jump into that then. Let's uh, let's talk about that because uh, I'm trying to think of how to actually break this down, right? I, I I think let's let's look at it from the terms of like money and even the spirituality community because I know I had my own whole let's say barrier or mental block around money where it felt like mm-hmm. being spiritual and having money wasn't aligned. It was like Jesus yeah. was a carpenter; he didn't have money, so if you want to be spiritual, you can't have money. So where in your life did you find this relationship between spirituality and money? Mm. I love this question because I had that block too for a while until I I realized the most spiritual thing we can do is to have money and to be abundant. Because if I want to be able to actually live in the mission that I have, I must be able to not only support myself, but to support the mission and energy If money is simply just energy. And so the more energy that I have that can support this mission, and I know that I'm going to do good with the energy that is given to me, like it's so spiritual to be able to be supported in that way, or I'm actually not supporting in the mission, supporting the mission to the greatest degree that I could. It sounds like it's almost one of those one hand feeds the other. If you're, yeah. if you have the money to help people, then it's, you can almost do more spiritual things as if you were without money. Yeah. And so yeah. then how do you see that relation of maybe more money coming into your life, whether it's through your different business adventures or like other things? Like, do you see that there are certain things you need to tweak in your life that then open up these floodgates or is it something that kind of just happens? It's absolutely the first one. When you become a match, so for me, I can speak for me personally, the more that I am operating within the frequency that matches nature, within the frequency of supporting my mission, supporting my vision, the more that I am on point within my own self of supporting myself, the more money comes into my life. It always matches every single time. If I don't feel worthy, that things that come in immediately go out. It is a frequency that matches. And right now I am in a space where my entire life is transforming in a 
beautiful way because I have transformed on the inside. So every single thing, like I'm operating from a place of overflow and I fill up my cup so much. I am so on on it when it comes to my practices and that comes to the way that I serve, when it comes to the way that I'm supporting myself. And I really, my number one value is being an integrity in the way that I show up, the way that I also show up for myself behind closed doors. And the more that that is in alignment, the more the energy wants to support and flow to me and flow through me. And it always matches. Hmm. And you said a interesting thing at the beginning there, when you said the more that my the more that my energy matches nature. So what, how do you match nature? Because when the average person thinks about nature, it's trees, it's grass, it's bugs, it's animals. I I think once you get to a certain point, you can see that there's almost like this rhythmic dance that's occurring behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But on the surface level, it's, it's nature and we're humans, right? I mean, we have a piece of nature, but we have a piece of something else as well. So what does it exactly mean to get it more in a line with nature? I like that question. We like human nature, right? We are nature. We operate, we are held by nature. I know you talk a lot about consciousness, right? It's like, we are, we are the universe becoming conscious of itself. God becoming conscious of itself, nature operating within its own frequency and consciousness. So humans are human ego gets very wrapped up. We live in a society that's go, 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 do, do, do more, more, more all the time. And it's this like cycle of getting, needing more, wanting more and needing to perform in a certain way. And it's very, it's a hectic energy. Nature does not operate on that frequency. Nature operates with space and slow, and it's a healing frequency. When you can take the human ego element that is like, I must do this, I should do this, I have to do this, that's overthinks, it's in the mind, and you can calm it down just enough to set it aside. You can work with it, but set it aside to be able to be in a space of spaciousness. You can get quiet and silent. And you can breathe into that space. That's where all of your answers lie. And so that frequency matches the pace of nature that is the healing frequency. So the bigger my life has gotten, the faster my manifestations are coming in. That's what you want to call it. The f- there so much is happening around me, and I've never been more still. And it's increased my capacity to be able to hold what's coming into my life and therefore amplify the mission. That's why it's supported with the energy of money or things like because it's operating in a specific frequency, and the frequency can be felt. And it sounds like there's an interesting ironic situation that sounds like it's coming up in your life at this time where we talk you're talking about how the outside world society at large especially western society western culture is a lot more chaotic it's a lot more of that do just force it type energy 
yet what you've realized or come to is that this stillness or finding that silence within matching the pace of nature as you put it it almost is having this inverse effect of bringing more things to you which this is the ironic part makes your makes your outside life maybe more chaotic or more turbulent but yet you almost have to counteract that by finding that stillness with inside you yeah it's it would be defined as chaotic to somebody that doesn't know the inner feeling because my life is happening at a much faster rate than it ever has before. I'm holding for much more than I ever have just from a scalability of the way that my business is operating at this moment, but it's matching the, the capacity that is being expanded within myself. I wasn't a match to this before. That's Mm -hmm. why it wasn't happening to the degree that like I wanted these certain things, but I wasn't at a place that I had the capacity to hold it. So anybody that's listening to this, if you want certain things, you say you want to be a millionaire, you say you want a certain level of success, you say you want a certain relationship or whatever that is. If you aren't receiving it, your frequency isn't matching it, but you also might not have the capacity to hold it at this time. And everything is preparing you for those moments. So by nature, I mean, we live in a, a world of dichotomy. It's law of polarity. So it completely makes sense to me that my outside is growing rapidly just as my inside is expanding uh, my capacity to hold mm. it. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Mushy Love. Mushy Love is a latte type blendable mushroom caffeine free elixir that honestly tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll and i know that you're going to find that on their website but it's honestly true it's stacked with more than twice the amount of mushrooms as any other mushroom latte and i know that there's one in particular that we all think about which kind of starts with the word mud but this one blows that one out of the water i highly highly recommend if you even try that one to just give this one a shot and i promise you that you will not you will not be sorry because i just uh it's so good it's honestly so good and i want to get to a place where i can actually just they send me these all the time for free so please go and buy it because if you buy more then they'll start sending me more and it's just honestly a win-win because it tastes amazing like even in water so even if you're cutting even if you don't want to like put milk in or coffee with it you can just do it plain in water and it's so freaking good guys go click the sponsors link below scroll down to mushy love buy your pack today remember promo code clayton promo code i can't even talk right now promo code clayton at checkout for 10 percent off your purchase mushy love mushrooms shouldn't have to taste like mud give yourself some mushy love that's a beautiful way to look at it and it certainly i see a lot of reflections in my own life as well and i know the listeners will see it as in their lives too but i i'm also realizing we kind of got into these esoteric questions very quickly (laughs) which i love which i love but let's wind the clock back a little bit because in one of the interviews i heard you doing you didn't always believe in, and even the word you use in this podcast was God. You didn't believe in spirits or source. You even were a self-proclaimed atheist at one point. Yeah. So I'm always curious, at least at the first part. So like what to you defines being an atheist or like even what was your belief structure at that time? 
It's funny because I use that term very loosely when I don't have the space to explain. So when people ask, I'm like, oh yeah, like I was basically atheist. What I really, what I personally mean, I mean, I'm sure people have different definitions of this, but for me, I just didn't have a framework of a belief outside of myself. So it wasn't that I was like, there is absolutely, absolutely nothing. I mean, if we want to get defined with it, it, I'd probably be considered more agnostic, which is like having a belief in something, but not really knowing what that is. But if I'm really diving into it, it was just a lack of definition of anything. Like I wasn't like, oh, I'm atheist, you know, it was that I was a 16 year old kid who my parents grew up religious in their own households. And for them, it was very much organized religion and they both didn't believe in it by the time I was born. And so there was no discussion of spirituality, of religion, of anything in my household. My grandma took me to church with her. My grandma also lived with uh, I'm an only child. So I basically had three parents. She'd lived with us from the time I was um, eight months old until up until my father passed uh, when I was 16. And she was religious, a, smart, uh, a part of a very small um, religion called Christian Science. And she brought me to church as a five, six-year-old, and my mom pulled me out. And my first memory, or one of my earliest memories, was my mom pulling me out of church when I was like six, being like, I don't, I don't want you to be affected by the stuff that they believe. So it was hmm. immediately like, oh, this is not good, right? My mom was only looking at it from an organized religion lens. And then as I grew up, as you can imagine by the name of my podcast alone, like I'm a little bit, you know, I like to break the boundaries a little bit. I like to break the mold. I'm a little bit rebellious. I've always been that way. Everybody goes right. I want to go left. Um, and so I was very much a free spirit. And my parents were very traditional in like wanting me to be very proper and classy and all these things. I felt very stifled by that at a young age. So that coupled with the view I had on religion, quote unquote, because I don't hold this view now to the degree in which I did, I very much judged religious people because I thought they were judging me. So I in turn was really doing to them what I was afraid of, the irony, <laughs> right? But not knowing that at the time, being wildly unconscious to it, right? So I rebelled against anybody that re was religious without even questioning my own self. It was very much like, oh, they're very, um, I was super judgy. Like I was very, oh, it's, it's super religious churchy. Those people don't like people like me because I'm, you know, out there and I'm free spirited and I don't like, I thought it was very controlling. So that was my only viewpoint of religion without actually asking, what is this trying to explain right? What is this trying to teach? It was just me judging on the surface. And that coupled with not having any of the conversations at home and really having a pretty cookie cutter, white picket fence life growing up. I was very fortunate in that way that I didn't have a lot of hardship in my life other than your regular childhood, you know, kid drama, but I didn't have anything that was substantial 
until I was 16 years old when my father was killed in a freak accident. My grandma was sent to live with my aunt and my mom gets remarried nearly immediately to a very abusive man. And I find myself alone from three parents in a beautiful like home to no parents within six months and zero framework of a belief outside of myself. So then at that point, I'm like, can I curse on here? Yeah. Yeah. You're fucking <laughs> I'm like, good. Fuck the universe. <laughs> I'm like, fuck the universe. Fucking God's not real. Like this is, you know, and so then that solidified my belief that there was nothing. And so I spent eight years and I think that's ultimately why I ended up going down the path I did for eight years, which was drink it away, drugs, sex, all the things I got myself in horrible, you know, looking back, not good situations for myself as, you know, an 18, 19, 20 year old. Um, and I do believe and attribute a lot of that to the fact that I didn't have any belief to cling on to. And I was simply just trying to make my way with this massive amount of trauma um, that I ended up going through in a very short period of time. And ultimately, you know, now I look back on, on that version of me with such compassion and also understanding that I had to go through that to be able to be who I am in the world and do the work that I do in the world now. I have such a deep compassion for anybody that... Um, it comes from any belief background or anything that they they've gone through because I, I do truly understand it. And, and a lot of my role in this work specifically is that I had to crawl myself out of, you know, I want to say the atheism hole or whatever you want to call it. So I very much, the way that I learned spirituality was from proving myself wrong over and over and searching for answers, specifically science-based that eventually expanded my belief system enough that now, you know, I've completely restructured my beliefs, but I've done it from that lens. And I think a lot of people um, need to do it from that lens for themselves. And so that is what I offer to the world now in the way that I teach, which seems to be very resonant for people. And it seems like there's a lot in that in your story around like struck. I mean, there's, first of all, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> there's <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> yeah. if, I'm, if I'm looking for a meta theme, cause that's where my mind tends to go. It tends to look at like the meta analysis of something, no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah. And it sounds like in your story, that framework or, you know, structure, it seems to be a huge piece of your puzzle that it just wasn't there. There was mm -hmm. no structure, almost this feeling of pure chaos, if you will. So then whenever it even you invoke spirituality, I know it's such a blanket term that it almost holds that same chaotic nature to it as well. So when you say spirituality, what is the framework that you're viewing that in? What is the definition is a difficult word, but what is the lens or the framework that you put in whenever you're talking about spirituality? What spirituality means to me? Yeah. I... Or even how you, yeah, we'll just say yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to lead it too much. Yeah. Spirituality to me is the framework of understanding not only the nature of the reality in which we live, but the nature and the way that I affect this reality. So it gave me a lot of my power. It, it helped me remember my power. 
that I have and that we all have. Because I lived for so long as a victim to the circumstances in which were dealt to me. When I began to understand the nature of the way we create our reality, what we magnetize to ourselves, the lessons that we go through, it gave me back a piece that I always knew in my bones, which was there was something greater. And it began to give me a framework for what that means and then how to harness it. So like create something different because I knew that what I was creating wasn't fruitful for my life and it wasn't actually what I was meant for. And so when I was searching for answers, I actually claimed my power back. That's a really powerful answer. Thank you. Being able to even looking at it from this lens of being able to claim your power back. Do you feel like Christianity or even religions as a whole would support that idea or provide something contrary or maybe a blend of both or, you know, like at where you're at today, how do you feel like that mirrors or is different than where you're at? You know, it's really interesting because I don't typically get asked about organized religion in any way, which is funny be being that I run a spirituality podcast and you're the second, second podcast of the day and second question of the day about <laughs> this. And I kind of love it because so for me and I, and I don't have the perfect answer for this because I will be the first to say I came in through the spirituality door, which to me is very broad compared to organized religion. For me, spirituality is, is the thread or what houses the religions within them, right? So religions are different mm -hmm. explanation of the same thing, which to me is spirituality. So that is the foundation and the base and the belief. I think what's happened in organized religion, and again, I'm not the expert to speak on this specifically, I will say, because I came through the spirituality door, but what I've perceived of is religion at its core is an explanation for what spirituality is explaining. And it's beautiful because I love that we can take so many different explanations of the same thing because that increases belief. It also increases understanding. And at the core and heart of it, it's all one thing. But what the human ego has done to misconstrue religion specifically has historically been created to divide and control. Hmm. So for me, I don't know what specific religions, if I could say a blanket statement of like that, this religion would disagree with that statement of claiming back my power, right? I think there's so much nuance to that. Um, and also a blanket religion doesn't actually that doesn't necessarily represent and reflect the beliefs of the individuals within it so i can't really say like this wouldn't christianity wouldn't agree with this maybe some christians would maybe some christians wouldn't i don't know but what i'll say is that when we boil down religion religion to the core of what it's meant to be i absolutely think that it's that i'm saying the same thing in a different way however 
if we're talking about what religion has been misconstrued in terms of the way that man has wanted to control it for man's own egoic um, purpose <laughs> uh, or intention, if you will, maybe that would disagree with what I'm saying. But I think at the heart and the core of the pure consciousness in which this is explaining, it's I don't it's I don't truth. think you're missing it at all. I yeah. from where I've my journey is wild in its own right, but from where I've kind of gathered all of this different information from a scientific, from a from a spiritual scripture perspective, like a sacred text perspective, mm. it seems to amplify exactly what you're saying, where yeah. they're all trying to explain the same thing. And I'm even at a point now where it seems like material science, as we know it, Western material science is getting to a point of explaining very similar phenomena as well. Like I know yeah. in Hindu text in the Vedas, they even talk generally speaking about like the big bang. Now yeah. material science puts the big bang at about like 15 billion years, but the Vedas it's much, much older, older than we can even comprehend. And so mm. it, it, it has that discrepancy, but it seems like even now they're dating back the big bang even further, like the more we're finding out. And so not to go down a specific Veda versus material science discussion here, but I do think you're onto something with that, that kernel of ego, the kernel of this material identification, the kernel of, I need more money to help others. That kernel of, well, maybe not more money to help others, but I just need more money for power. That kernel of like, this is the reality that is of the highest level. And so I should become the dominator of it. I should become the one who is in control of it because then I will achieve that status or that feeling that I've been looking for. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Aquarius Mushrooms. And Aquarius Mushrooms creates what I can only describe as these fine art sculptures that are all one of a kind and these plush mushroom fabric sculptures. They're what I would describe as being like little trip buddies. They're perfect for anyone who has a room that is dedicated to spiritual adventures or anyone who is looking for a fine piece of art that is one of a kind. I think I said that, but one of a kind to enhance their psychedelic experience. I'm sober and I look at mine all the time and it just oozes out this creative and spiritual energy that I it's hard for me to stop looking at sometimes. And so if you are on even maybe just smoking some weed, like I can only see how this thing would open up a portal to a new world. So I highly recommend that you click the sponsors link below, scroll down where you see Aquarius mushrooms, click their website and see if any of them speak to you. Because if it does, I can only imagine how it's going to speak to you in the real world. Aquarius mushrooms, mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. And it seems to me that that's a huge part with manifestation as well as at the end of the day, we're just looking for a feeling to feel. And we think we're going to get that from the outside world. Yeah. 100%. It's so true. Um, I mean, we can talk in, in terms of even manifestation as it's taught in many ways. Now I talk about manifestation, but not in the way that it it's often taught. It's very much taught from an, in many ways, not, not everyone by any means, but there's a lot of information out there that speaks on the getting and the doing and the do this to receive this. And I even did that for a long time. And I found myself a year ago, actually in the center of a lot of my vision board uh, that I had created. And I was more depressed than I had ever been. 
And it was because now that that's a, that's a big statement, but like for like three, four weeks, I was pretty depressed because I realized it wasn't the key or the ticket to feeling any better. Mm. And I'm so happy I went through that pretty early on because the second that I have an awareness, I shift immediately. Like I'm like, Oh, boom. Okay. There's another path for me to go down. And it, that, that's been how I've, um, that's powerful. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And so that, that led me to a lot of somatic healing, deeper healing, uh, within the body rather than just, you know, think these thoughts, do these things, because it, if you, you are sitting in the center of the re reality you want you wanted to create and you realize it doesn't feel the way that you wanted it to feel or thought it was going to feel, it's going to actually plummet you to a deeper place than when you started because it's not the key. It's not the ticket. And so when we can get out of that and begin to teach from, yes, we're going out um, after a feeling, but not even just a feeling of, I want to be happier. It's like, can you sit with and hold the dichotomy of the human experience and existence without the resistance? and be with all of it because that's what it means to be human that's what i think the next the next phase of that is at least it has been for me and is that what you were touching on earlier with like the stillness is that the same thing that is held within the stillness so, so you need to become still to feel that i think stillness holds for the ability to integrate both. Stillness holds for the ability to integrate both. Yeah. So the, the stillness is the witness consciousness of being that holds the container for you being able to be in acceptance of what is and to be in flow without the resistance to witness the human egoic things that come up within you. So being really happy over here or being really sad over here or what, you know, whatever those, the, the reaction that you have that, that like witnessing without judgment, being able to hold it, like the stillness holds for all of it and leads you down the path of being able to integrate, which I don't know if we ever, at least maybe there are humans out there that have definitely reached that space. I'm not one of them. <laughs> um, you know, I'm very, I'm very real about that, that fact, but it's a practice and, and what, the more I practice it. Yeah. What is that being still all the time? Is that what you're referencing? Wouldn't definitely not still all the time. I'm super, I'm very much human, but the practice of coming back really to the breath and the spaciousness that exists within myself on a consistent basis in the pockets of time and moments, like as my day gets busy and my life is lifing and I have human things that happen and it's my ability to come back home to that presence within me mm. and walking the path just simply allows me that the practice of doing that allows me to shorten the time frame in which I stay in the reaction so I can come back faster and access that piece quicker. The more that I practice accessing and harnessing that energy.
So what are your practices then to harness that energy? Breathing. Just breathing? So I'm, I'll explain this in two parts. People always want to know, what's the practice? What's the thing I could do? What's the journal prompt? Like, what's the, we're getting back into like the do energy. For sure. <laughs> right? And you can do the big breathwork sessions. I do them myself. I'm a breathwork facilitator. You can meditate. You can do the guided meditations. You can do, do, do the things. You can practice awareness and asking yourself powerful questions and, you know, journaling and all those things. I do all of that. That is helpful. But why are we doing all those things? So that we can access that part of ourselves in our life. Mm. So the breath is the bridge between the conscious and the unconscious. It's the bridge between the physical and the spiritual. It's our life force energy. So if you can access the stillness or, or clear or whatever you need to do in the big practices, you can take the big insights, you can take the new awarenesses, right? That's only as good as the application that it that you have in your life with the awarenesses that you create in those moments. So if you can, instead of doing a breathwork session once a month or once a week, if you can access the breath and the stillness in the moments of the trigger or in the moments of when you're looking in the mirror in the morning or you're at the refrigerator and you're filling up your water, or you open that email and before you react, you access the life force that you can actively direct. That's what I'm speaking about. It's the integration piece to the breakthroughs that you have in the bigger moments. Mm. It's what brings you to those moments. It's almost in the images I'm kind of getting here is that these things come into your life and they might be small, they might be big, they might be catastrophic, but your ability to be calm and present through them is what can take you on to maybe better moments, right? Things that could be catastrophic. You, you know, you get, you can hyperventilate people, you know, their breath, their heart rate accelerates and your ability to almost internally regulate that, to come back to what I've been referring to as stillness, but let's say it's, being calm, being more centered, that in essence unlocks these new dimensions of leveling up in your material life as well as your internal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I do want to make a caveat to that and say that it's still incredibly important to feel your emotions all the way through, not just someone putting on a pedestal that I'm more still than everyone else. Right. Like I'm certainly not, I have extremely big emotions, but before I learned, I can feel, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have big emotions. Yeah. I've, I've, and, and in many ways it's my superpower because it shows me my absolutely massive capacity that I have to hold but before these practices, those emotions were misdirected and those emotions ran me. Mm. I didn't run them. And so 
I do lots of things, especially somatically that allow the emotions to process through me. I do like sacred rage things and anger. Like there's a physical release that happens that I allow my body to process through. And the more I practice it, the more I'm able to access the stillness and coming back to my center more quickly and harness the, like literally alchemize. We're now we're getting like, kind of, we're getting into like the more esoteric land, but your, your emotions are energy in motion. And so if you have really big emotions, that's a really cool thing because you have a massive capacity within you that might just be misdirected. So I can literally bring up an enormous emotion and feel the energy in my body. And you can begin to practice transmuting that energy and taking that energy and putting it in another direction and harnessing it into a, a, a direction that you want it to go with intention. And it changes into a different emotion. Mm. So we're getting like really to a, an interesting level here, but that's actually what I do. Well, we can go even higher on the level. Yeah. So don't worry about the level barometer. Cool. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. I never know like how this is going to land for people or they like think I'm nuts. So don't worry. The, the things we've talked about on this podcast, I'm sure the average person would think I'm more than nuts. So <laughs> great. Perfect. Keep pushing it. If you got more levels, we can go deeper. Okay. I like it. Yeah. You're open. The gates are open. <laughs> yeah. But this, this alchemizing energy is very fascinating to me because it's something that I've read about quite a bit. And it's something that I'm sure even at, at what I'm about to say, you might be able to relate to with what you've talked about, where I was even noticing, and this kind of goes back to the Western world and the way that we've at some level been indoctrinated by the society we hold, where personally, I had this whole porn addiction thing that I went through and was a it was a wild ride. And I think I'm now within the last couple of months, like I haven't looked at porn. I don't know. We're doing good. I don't know the numbers. I don't really try to write down the numbers specifically, but we're doing good. And when you're talking about alchemizing this energy, it's reminding me of how the life force, especially with men, I'm not hundred percent sure with women, what the deal is there, but with men, we're literally pushing our creative energy out into nothing. I mean, maybe into like a, it's like a little graphic. Well, let's not keep it graphic. <laughs> let's be at least a little PG on this, <laughs> even though we're dropping the F word every now and then. But <laughs> all of this to say is that you're discharging that creative f fluid, the creative energy out into the world, and you're really not getting anything back for it. If anything, it's deteriorizing you, deteriorizing, deteriorizing you. Sometimes words are weird too on this podcast. <laughs> But it's, it's bringing you to that place of like, okay, cool. I just created something even though you didn't. And a huge part of this process has been me understanding the feeling of that energy and then putting in almost whether it's breath work to try to move that energy through my body, focusing on, okay, where's that energy building up in my body? Can I breathe it through into my brain, if you will? And it seems like there is that that seems to me to be that alchemization process of yeah. transmuting that into, you know, wh whatever type of energy you want to call it. So, you know, maybe in your experience, maybe it was the sexual energy because you were talking about how you tried all the stuff and 
I was right in that camp too. Drugs, sex, the whole party scene. It's, it's very addicting. This, this, uh, material world spirit did a great job of (laughs) creating a, a great playground. So in your mind, what, what experiences you may have have, or even just like practical knowledge you might have about this whole thing of turning sexual energy, maybe even rage energy, maybe fear energy into something positive and creative. Mm, Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing you speak to, even in uh, what you're sharing is the bodily awareness that you have that's created in the stillness. If we're going back to that and that's step one. So I lived a decade in a trauma response where I was completely disassociated from my body. And much of our society lives in that way. It's the same energy of do, do, do all the time. Go, go, go in the mind, figure it out. Do the, even the thought work, like self-development, very much heavy on set the goals and the structure and all these, right. And it completely bypasses. It's only half of the, the puzzle. It's necessary. That's great right? Ask yourself powerful questions, but it only gets you so far if you're bypassing the body. The body is the intelligence. The body holds the key. It is the subconscious mind. Literally memories are held inside of your fascia and your tissues. And if you get still enough to listen, your body just might be telling you something. So when we feel big emotions, people often fear their body. Take anxiety, for example, and panic attacks. Someone feels a lot of fear. It's just simply big energy in motion. And your heart starts racing and you want to get out of your body and you don't, you know, you're and you might be all in your mind. Like there's a lot of things physiologically that happened, but also it the body triggers the thoughts and the thoughts trigger the body. It's like a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Like they both, it it goes in a cyclical fashion. And so when you don't know what to do or to harness that energy or to harness the breath, like it overtakes you. It's a perfect example. I used to have panic attacks. I don't have panic attacks anymore because I learned breath work. What you have elicit in, in breath work, what happens in breath work in your body, it's the same thing that happens in your body when you have a panic attack. It's something called tetany, where if you've done breath work, a lot of times you can feel your hands get very tingly, your feet get very tingly. Like this can happen if you're going like deep into breath work. This I've had them even like in- close up, like they'll like kind of yep. like a claw grip. Yep, exactly. That happens to me too. Same with the mouth. Your mouth can like purse your lips. This happens to me. This is exactly what used to happen to me in a panic attack. But learned how to notice the energy, notice what's happening in my body without the fear, because it's I'm in a controlled environment in that way, and be able to harness the energy and alchemize the energy. It's the same thing as when you see sports, you know, sports people, that's a, the example people use all the time, like, I'm so excited for this game. Not I'm anxious for this game. Anxiety and fear, same thing. So it's a, a very simple example of alchemizing energy. You're giving it a, your you're moving the energy, you're working with the energy without resistance to the energy, and you're directing it in the way that you want it to go through through really creating a different meaning. And 
so the stillness in the body is the first and the awareness of the body of where is certain energy can you move that energy and it has it's just a willingness to allow yourself to be still that like a lot of people don't even want to do that <laughs> in our world right and so that's the first key and then playing around with can you move that can and then can you create different meaning to it can you try it on in a different capacity like for me Sometimes it might take on a life. You don't know where it's going to take you. Like I do a, um, a specific like rage exercise where I'll channel anger like into my fists and into, and it'll just turn into absolute power and joy. Like it might just turn into something else You and you get to be a witness to that. So there's a lot of these things that we're talking about are, are things that you just have to dive in and practice and experience to be able to understand. You could only understand it logically through language to a point because we're speaking an entirely different language right now through experiential, like through experience of this. And there isn't accurate, like even words that I've personally found to be able to describe and harness the feeling that is created when, when you unlock an ability to transmute energy, it's a feeling. And it's really cool. It's kind of like if someone ever asked you to explain what does XDC feel like or what does LSD mm -hmm. feel like, it's like, exactly. It's like, I don't have words for that. <laughs> I'm not supposed right. to have words for that. Right. Exactly. Like I, I can try to the best of my ability, but until you take it, <laughs> you're, you're not really going to know. You don't, you yeah. only know if you know. <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly. But so that's also a, interesting thing that came up in like maybe the last two podcasts that I've had I've hosted is is I see this as a huge spot where AI could actually come in and maybe do us a lot of service especially in the spirituality community where it seems to me that we have this whole issue with language it seems like you know even from a point of view of you know, all these different sacred texts, which get translated multiple times, like even the Bible, the King James version that we all use has been translated twice. So mm. very easily, I think we can see that a lot of the original subtextual meaning has been lost. It's been changed. Yeah. It's been gone from our psyche at some level. And I think that that's a huge, a huge gap that technology and AI will be able to help us with in the future is to create words and language and in a way that we're able to communicate these esoteric things like mm -hmm. even stillness like you can say sit still but but even just sitting still isn't really getting down to that pure stillness that it feels like you're discussing and that even myself i've experienced yeah it's interesting to bring in the conversation of ai i think it it very well could give us different language of words, right, to explain something. But I think what AI cannot replicate is felt frequency. Hmm. AI doesn't create the heartbeat behind the words. And so you'll still run into the the need to experience it because there's only so much in the human language that can encapsulate like the feeling 
And so I I have interesting thoughts on on AI. Um, Please give them. Uh, it it's interesting because a lot of people there's a lot of discussion about AI right now. People are really for it. People are really against it. People think it's going to blow up the world. People think that. You know, there's you can find any argument on any end of the spectrum. Um, and I do think it is going to absolutely change the fabric of our society and the way that we operate. I mean, that's already happening. And it's going to change a lot of jobs. It's going to like if we look at a surface level. Absolutely. But the things that we do, I'm extremely, extremely proud and and proud's not really the right word i'm i feel so fortunate to be on this side of history to have started these conversations before ai begins to really take over the way that we operate because it will and it's on its way to doing that because what it cannot replicate is the heart of people and what people what is going to happen on them what i believe is going to happen I've never talked about this before in a podcast. Let's get into it. I love it. Is is we saw it at the beginning of 2020 with COVID. COVID rapidly began to wake people up. I was so felt so fortunate to have woken up before that time because there are lighthouses that are housed in the bodies of people that are helping to hold the collective as it shifts and as people are waking up. And people are waking up at a more rapid rate than ever before. And I see it as the race of how fast can humans wake up versus how fast is AI mm. moving. And that's, you said a lot of things that have helped me expand my perspective on this as well. I think it's a very fascinating conversation about the heart, but even this, now getting into this idea of how fast can humanity wake up to stillness, our heartbeat, how fast can we wake up to our eternal gifts? How fast can we wake up to releasing our ego? How fast can we wake up to all these things before AI hits the point of singularity, right? And you bring up an interesting point that I've never made this correlation before, which is Given the butterfly effect, given, you know, living your best life, being authentic, all these spiritually aligned properties, it has the butterfly effect of, well, you influence the people around you, that influences the community around you, that influences the world around you. And it seems as though there's a very strong correlation of how quickly AI has the potential to reach singularity as well as the human potential. Yeah. That's a, I see it as a direct correlation. I've never thought of it that, that way before. I need to soak that in for a sec. Yeah. That's really cool. It's really beautiful. And it's beautiful. I acknowledge you for the work that you're doing and what you're putting out in the world because it's creating a ripple effect. It's incredibly important. It's the most important thing that we can be doing right now because what's happening, it's already happening and it's going to continue to happen. There's going to be another wave, I think, of people waking up. It happened during COVID. Mass amount of people waking up. Then 
Every single thing creates its equal and opposite reaction. Put everyone inside, isolate everybody. Not to get into like craziness about that, but like <laughs> put everyone inside, isolate everyone. We also just created an environment in which people never had before to be able to go in and access the stillness for the very first time. So there cannot be light without dark. There cannot be dark without light. And it always matches its law. So it's the same thing with AI and the human remembrance of our power. Mm. It cannot be replicated. The heartbeat cannot be replicated. You can take the jobs. You cannot take the heart. And there's going to be another wave because a bunch of people are going to lose their jobs. And it's already happening. It's already happening. Then it's going to get bigger and bigger. Of course. It's going to, again, cause the equal and opposite reaction. People beginning to question the nature of their own existence, what it is that they truly want, their power, their ability. They're going to go searching for answers. And then we will be there. We, as in everybody that's already doing this work, to hold, to guide, to, to like help usher in this new wave of people remembering their power. Right. And it's going to go like this. And so I'm ready. You're all ready. I'm very ready. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I'd love it. And what's coming to mind for me, I'm not sure if you're familiar with After School on YouTube. That actually sounds really familiar. Do they do like animated videos? Yeah. His of like teaching concepts? Yeah. And it's like a whiteboard okay. drawing type deal. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a video that he made. The creator, his name's Mark. And there was a video that he created right around whenever the pandemic came out. And in that video was Pavlov's dogs, where for those who don't know, they showed how if they like rang a bell and the dog then fed the dogs, they would come and eat to activate their uh, salivatory, their saliva, the glands, the glands, salivating. Sal I don't know. They would salivate. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to say like salivatory glands or something. I, don't know. I think that's right. I don't know. <laughs> well, they, they would salivate. <laughs> okay. Perfect. And so then after being trained on that bell, they wouldn't even need the food anymore and could just ring the bell. Well, in the video, he was bringing up the correlation of humans to dogs of like, okay, if you push them inside, you're going to teach them that this is their new norm. And I, I think what you're hitting on is a really interesting point, which is, I think that that's right to an extent that at some point, the, the humans will start replicating that behavior. But I also think and hold true that if you push it far enough, you push it, the human, and this is probably what differentiates us between animals, which is, well, I guess we are animals at some level, but differentiates us to a point of evolutory stature where we are above, oh no, the pyramid's fallen. Oh no, I hit it. <laughs> are we good? Okay. It's going to sit there. Um, <laughs> But it's going to, but it, where we get elevated is the fact that you can push us so far into that dark space where, like you're saying, it's going to have that whiplash effect. It's going to, humans are going to 
find a way out. And it could be that we need to find our way in. We need to find our way into ourselves. And the the beauty, the ironic beauty of being pushed into your your small space is that you have to go even smaller, right? You need to even go in more. You need to, whether it's meditate more, you need to focus on your breath more in order to find that. And in order to find the freedom that was taken away from you in the outside world, which I think ironically is going to grant you back the freedom in the outside world. This episode of traveling to consciousness is brought to you by conscious technologies, LLC. Talk about an aligned company name, this company creating technology that will revolutionize the way that humanity is able to resonate or vibrate with the electromagnetic frequency of your phone, of your Wi-Fi router, of the light bulbs in your house, of really anything. What they do is they have created these amazing minerals, amazing units that you can either place on the back of your phone, you can wear it as a necklace, or they even have like little in-house generators, if you will, that can unify the entire field of an entire house. I've experienced these things in person and I unequivocally can tell you that it does something and it helps you feel more present, more calm, and more connected to the spiritual dimension, if you will. And I highly recommend that you also check out episode number 034, where I actually talked to one of the co-founders and it blew my mind away. One of my favorite episodes where we actually get into how he creates it, why it's created. And, you know, if this wasn't enough of a sell for you, go check out that episode because I know that it will sell you after that. Conscious Technologies, LLC, harmonizing the planet one person at a time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It, the, the human will always find a way at the end of the day we all have a soul that's guiding us that's not duplicatable and put the humans inside okay we can talk about pavlov's dog and all the okay the people are going to listen and do it but then why is there the equal and opposite reaction of the people waking up because you're in the human body but every single person has a soul and they get quiet enough to listen that soul gets louder and so that's what's happening so you no matter how much you want to take away someone's freedom the freedom exists within them every single time the freedom exists within you if you're quiet enough to listen to it so created an environment that maybe was intentionally created for the opposite effect the soul will find a way every time. And it's feeling like there's a, there's a correlation here that I'm making in my mind, especially with your story and how we're talking about this. And it's within regards to the vision board. So when I started diving into manifestation and spirituality, things that I'm sure 99% of people experience, which is a lot of attraction, a lot of vibration, vision boards, manifesting, And you kind of come to this point of realizing I could have anything I want. Nothing's too crazy to be out of reach. 
And I'm bringing this up because it sounds like in your story, you've made this pivot where you come to a point of realizing that and realizing that all you're looking for is the feeling associated with the thing. So what do you still, I guess the question now as an experienced spiritualist, if you will, which I know is a kind of a touchy phrase. Loose term. Yeah. Loose term. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still using a vision board or, or how are, even if you're no longer using a vision board, how have you seen that progression of your vision board to where you are now? Oh, I still use all of these things. You still use them? Oh, yeah. I, I I still love all this stuff, but I use it from a different place. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it comes from a completely different intention. Ironically, when I began to, I don't want to say let go of that, when I began to rewrite my relationship with the manifesting and the doing of the thing. Like when I realized it was the feeling and when I focused on the feeling, which is what they always say in manifestation, but like people don't get it. It doesn't land in the way that it is actually meant. I hear everything from a completely different lens. Now it's an entirely different language to me than what I heard before. It's the same idea of like, you can't, you don't know till you know, you can't feel it. Like, yeah, I'm focusing on the feeling. Feel it. it it's so much more than that. When I really, focused on the feeling the spaciousness the depth like all the stuff actually started to come true in an even deeper way which is kind of ironic but not at all so the vision board what's the point of the vision board the vision board there's no there's not a point to do the vision board i actually don't technically have one right in this very moment. I have a digital one, but it's not like I sit there and I do the practice every day and I look at the vision board and I imagine being there. It's not like that. What's the point of the vision boarding? Intentional focus. So I focus on my intentional focus. If you can't, you can't hit a target that you don't know that you have. So all of those things are still incredibly important. It's not like I just go around like being in the stillness, like being in like people. I also get shit done, you know, like I'm also a a business owner. I'm also scaling a company. I'm also there's the marriage of the two. It's the dichotomy. It's the polarity. It's the masculine and feminine. It's all of it. And. I have intention and I have focus and I have clarity and I have, and I have the awareness to realize when I'm off of the, the, when my focus isn't intentional and I can bring it back and it's a dance and yes, vision boards are great, but I understand the intention of them. Yes. Affirmations are great. I literally still say affirmations to myself in the mirror, expand myself. I do the practices. My mentor, he's a, he's amazing. Garen Jones. He always says, weeds don't need anything to grow but time. So I always still do the practices, which is the pulling the weeds out of the garden and intentionally placing something in its place. Mm. But I'm not doing it from the element of I need to get these things so I can feel better. So I understand there's no better that I'm going to feel than right now in this very moment. It's driven so much more by the fulfillment of the mission and also through just like the experience of being alive and being able to create this and being able to harness my power. And if I, that means that I get to lead 
in a certain way or that means that I get to create a ripple and a butterfly effect for other people, beautiful. That's amazing. But if I can get myself out of the way and I can allow myself to be a channel for the mission, that's what I want. Mm. That's beautiful because it's you're you're finding a way to remove that egoic at least this is how I'm hearing it. You're trying to remove the ego as much as possible. Dance with it, but not allow it to control me. So it's the same thing as the emotions overtook me, the ego overtaking me. I see my you. I'm down. I, I'm down to have money. I'm down to have a nice life. I'm down to allow myself to be wildly supported. I understand that I can actually have anything that I want. Like there's a deep knowing of those things. And I don't fault myself or make myself wrong or judge myself for wanting and desiring. I want a big house that has all the things. I want a chef and a nutritionist that works so that my body can be taken care of. I am bougie as hell. <laughs> I am down for it. Because why else? Like I want to, I'm in this 3D reality that's a video game. Why not play it full out? Why not do it? Why not have all the luxuries of all the things that support me in being able to do what I'm really meant to do here? And like, just for the fun of it, like, why not have those things, but not for the purpose of feeling better or more, a more belonging once you have them. So there's a, there's a feeling in me and maybe you can speak to this feeling because it might be what a majority of people feel when they come into this, or maybe I'm just projecting, which kind of goes back to our earlier conversation of like spiritualist versus materialist. And in your mind, it's not a versus, it's a, I can have both situation. Yeah. So why is this a, I can have both situation and not a either or, or not like a, you can have your cake, you can't have your cake and eat it too situation. It's a perspective. Why, if I can choose, if I'm a clear channel and a clear vessel to Think of yourself as a blank canvas completely and your perception is what creates your reality. Why would I want to believe I can't have my cake and eat it too? Well, I suppose the the question is coming from this idea of having the ego, but then also not having the ego. You said dancing with the ego. Mm -hmm. Would it not open you up to, let's say, my thought process is at least that it would open you up to deeper spiritual joy, bliss, enjoyment. If you were able to say, okay, I no longer care for the ego, right? Like imagine if it, here's the way I'm imagining it, right? Which is take those, those highs that you feel on ecstasy and who knows how high you could amplify those. If you were to let the ego go completely, let go of any, material gratification like is that a possibility in your mind i think the idea of letting go of the ego doesn't serve us because the for me the the ego is not the enemy sure the ego's kept us safe the ego is there for a reason worth it's it's that is also the law of polarity of existing. It's the messiness of being human. It's the reason that we're in these bodies. 
when before we came into this world and after we leave the consciousness that is us, we were given an ego for a reason. If we want to be pure source consciousness, well, we will when we get there. But the ego allows us to operate within this 3D reality. And so I don't think eliminating the ego and entirely letting go of the ego necessarily serves us in being in this 3D reality right now. If I complete, like going back to the mission, right? Going back to wanting, I want to affect as many people as I possibly can with my podcast, with the mission, with the things that it is that I do here in the world. I need my ego to be able to operate at that capacity to serve that mission. I could I just like let go of all the things and could that be my dharma and my purpose? And can I just be like, let me just go meditate and be in bliss and just be sure. That can absolutely be a, a choice that someone makes. It's not the choice that I desire to make in my life. Actively. I want to be like, we're here. You know, like I'm, I'm here. Why, why not experience the joys that all of this reality has to offer? Why not show what's possible? Why not be able to be so divinely supported in the ways that aren't in my zone of genius so that I can remain in my genius in the way that I'm meant to serve in the planet and be able to actually create even bigger of an effect than I would if I just like allowed that all to go and to be. And if we go even deeper with it, sometimes I think even I have no ego and I'm so still and all these, like, is the ego coming out in a different form? Yeah. The way you said that was definitely egoic. <laughs> like that, that, that place. Right. And I don't know. That's where, that's where I stand with, could that be subject to change as I continue on the journey? Sure. Maybe. But that's what I found for me that I want to work with it. I don't want to get rid of it. My ego served me so beautifully well as, as everyone's it's there for a purpose and a reason. So I see it as a dance. And, and so the, I guess I'm seeing where this line of questioning is coming from because yeah. you had mentioned that if I'm able to set along the lines of, if I'm able to get out of my way enough to be a clear channel for spirit, for source, to come in to work through your life in order to create the most beautiful life possible. Would that, like when you say get out of the way, I guess my mind goes to ego. Is there something else that would be in that way that is not ego or is ego, like how is ego associated with that getting out of my own way? It's the overtaking piece. It's like, Within all of us, or for me, right, but really all, like we all exist different parts of ourselves. So there's the consciousness, the witness consciousness, the divinity, the, the, what comes, comes through as a clear channel that's connected to source consciousness, to oneness, to, that we all have access to your intuition. Like there, there's the you that's the greater capital you, higher self, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Then there is, if you want to call it the ego, the ego in the human body that is Rachel. It's the human. And I'm both. And I'm always both. But when Rachel overtakes and clouds my ability to listen to the, the me that is source, the, the truth, right? And then I can't hear that intuition. 
when we're overclouded with the humanness of it. So the stillness allows you not to get rid of, I don't want to get rid of the Rachel, the, the Rachel that I am, the human that I am, the ego that I am. I don't want to get rid of her. I love her. Like she's awesome, right? She's so, she's making a great podcast. I completely agree. Thank you. I appreciate that, right? And so and so I can my awareness and my stillness has been able to allow me to see when I oscillate between the two. And I'm oscillating between the two all the time, even right now on this podcast. And so I'm not trying to get rid of the ego or the desire or the human element that is me that exists in this body that's sitting here right now, just crying. I'm just activating an awareness of the duality that I can hold both. And I recognize that in each and every one of us. Hmm. This episode of traveling to consciousness is brought to you by revive CBD. Now I know what you're thinking, another CBD product. And typically I would completely agree with you. I've gone through all my trials and tribulations with CBD products, but this CBD cream is unlike anything else. Honestly, I don't know what it is, but there's something in the technology of it that it helps absorb into your skin and actually get to the place that aches and soothes your muscles almost instantaneously. It's close to instant. It's probably about a five to 10 minute activation that I've noticed, but sometimes it goes a little bit quicker. And so I know it can be difficult for the find the right one. And this was my personal favorite that I found after long enough. (laughs) I don't want to go back to that dark time. But I found it. It works amazing. And the creator of it is an incredible guy. So I highly recommend you click the sponsors link below. Click on the Revive CBD tab and get yours today. Revive CBD. Feel better, live better, all premium, all natural CBD products. So it's being able to... So you're oscillating between. I'm trying to... Right now I'm just trying to picture how you're seeing this that it's Mm -hmm. they both exist within us i we're all on the same page there so right so hmm. i I guess my mind's kind of going to how like whenever kind of like and this is where it gets like real probably like esoteric spiritual um whenever like Buddhists or Hindus, they kind of join their like renunciate order, right? Like renouncing all material things. Yeah. I guess is that then like, is that the only, I, I'm kind of just thinking this out. I don't, you can, it's a rhetorical question, but you can answer it if you want, Yeah. which is kind of just like the idea of like, is that the only way to truly liberate yourself from ego, which is to completely renounce the material objects of this world? Because that's kind of whenever they like have this whole name change and then they start yeah. like wearing different clothing. And I think that's might be where it like becomes interesting, right? Is like, are you able to still be on that divine purpose, right? I, I guess at some level, we all are on our own divine purpose. We're moving mm-hmm. through our spiritual evolution at our own rate. Mm-hmm. But, but are you able to get there? And again, completely rhetorical, you can take this however you want, but are you able to get there without this like full renunciant perspective? Is there a way to work in the spiritual world to progress? And I guess that's kind of happening either way, but I guess this, I'm kind of rambling here. 
Yeah, I'm following. I'm totally following. Okay, I get you're it. still I on the page. I love this question. This is great. I'm, I'm with you. Um, well, let's have you take it over. Yeah. So I think there's a few things in that question that also mirrors and reflects how we think as a society, which is getting there. Mm. The idea that like there is a place to get to that is the ultimate place which holds an undertone of that is better or this person is better or that more spiritual than this walking this other path so and we as a society and a collective i've asked myself even these questions like fully so i'm i'm here with you because it's a very valid question. It, it, and I think the way that I view this, for me personally, the deep spirituality that I feel is not that we're all meant to reach a certain path or to arrive a certain level of enlightenment through giving up all the material things or through it, it's more so if you can imagine like a fab the fabric of the collective of we're raising the vibration of the planet or the consciousness of the planet or whatever it is that you want to see we all hold different roles in the fabric of that elevation. My role is not to be a monk or to be somebody that walks that path. The ego asks, is that path better? The soul for me, feels the truth of the divinity in my own path based on the role at which I play in the fabric of the greater scale and grand scheme of raising this entire collective consciousness of the planet. Hmm. We can't all have that role. We're all playing the divine role and no one role is better than the other. My role, we, we need the people that go deep into like the monks that create these things that create this very esoteric concepts that teach in a very, that, that teach the depth that we, we need that piece. It's a very important piece in the collective whole. And it would not serve us as a collective to all walk that path in that role. It'd be pretty boring. It would be boring and it wouldn't actually aid us in the greater purpose of all of this. It's not just about me waking up and walking the path that is best for the ego of me that I think it's, I see myself walking in the pocket of a mission and not necessarily my mission, 
but the greater planetary mission that many of us, that the, the lighthouses that I talked about earlier, many of us have the same mission that we're amplifying in our own individual way, each path lit with divinity. Mm. So my role, I would not be walking in my divinity to go meditate on a mountain for the purpose of myself reaching enlightenment for me. Because I understand that's not my role here. My role, and what I'm extremely, that, that where I shine is my ability to go very deep and play in the very esoteric and bring it down. And the way I speak, not necessarily even on this podcast, this podcast I'm, I'm speaking very esoteric because I feel like very comfortable in, in the listeners wanting to go here and you taking it here. But I also speak in a very, um, I mean, my podcast is called It's Fucking Spiritual. And I, I take a lot of the esoteric. I always say I take the weird out of the woo. And I speak in which it lands for a lot more people who are waking up and are ready to listen. If I speak over everything in like, you know, telling people to go read the Bhagavad Gita, it's like, people aren't going to do that, but I can be like, Hey, bitches, listen. Okay. So like, you know, and I can <laughs> meet at that frequency when people are that certain people are ready to hear in that way. I'm actually serving at a much greater capacity because my role is to meet people where they are as they're waking up. And I know I'm, I'm meant to speak to masses and I am already, and I, mm. and I will continue to as it grows. That's my role. So if my ego were to go, but I need to be the best and the most, in the least material and the allowing of the, like that would be my ego. No, I actually need to be really supported in, in my role that I'm meant to play in the fabric of the greater grand scheme of things. So that's the way that I view it. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that that's what I, that's why I believe it's all, it's all paved with divinity. It, it makes complete sense. I mean, you can't have like, there's only my mind goes to James Bond because I grew up watching his, all of his movies with my dad. And so not everybody in the movie can be James Bond. You have to have a villain. Right. You have to have the, uh, money penny you need to have the the sexual person you need to have the motherly figure you need to have the matriarch and what you're putting out there with this role concept is exactly the same thing yeah so then that leads me to the question of how do you know that this is your role as opposed to something else deep awareness of what i'm good at and what i'm not the rachel that you see that's why i don't want to do away with my ego. I'm really good at talking. <laughs> I'm really good at really listening to people. I'm really good at synthesizing information. And I'm good at being like relatable and listening and getting people and being able to like really dance with a room and be able to read the energy. And um, I'm a conversationalist. Those things, I was born to be a performer. I was born to be on a stage that some people might take that as very like, that's very ego, you know, you're supposed but. No, that was how I was born. It doesn't sound that like ego. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. It doesn't sound like ego. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was born as a child. When my mom started the video camera when I was 18 months old and I'd see that little red dot, it was like I immediately was on for the camera before I even barely knew what it was. <laughs> like I, I was born a performer. I was born a, uh, a musician, somebody that was meant to be seen in that way. 
I love public speaking. The number one fear is public speaking. For some reason, I was born loving it. It's my favorite thing. So why would I not want to follow that path in, in the divinity and in, in what it is that I do? That is meant to be my role. I, I talk about this with actually, so I have a, my team is scaling out quite a bit right now. And I have a beautiful co-coach, co-facilitator. She was my one-on-one -on -one client um, over a year and a half ago, turning turned into me hiring her. She is deeply spiritual, a very transformational coach, um, so well studied and just a divine presence. I'm like going to cry thinking about it. I love her so much. And um, we facilitated, so it was my retreat, but we facilitated together. I invited her to come co-facilitate with me a couple weeks ago. And the divinity that was created in that room she amplified me to such a degree because she backed me and allowed me to trust myself and I could go to her. And, and at the same time, so where I'm going with this, let me back up a little bit. So what her and I realized when I was coaching her, she was trying to do what it is that I do. She had a podcast, she ran programs, she taught many things and she's someone who she does go and spends a year with the indigenous in Peru and she studied shamanism and she's gone into like deep depth. She's medicine woman, like all of these things. I haven't done that. I, I, that's not the path I've walked. I'm like literally scaling a company. I can't go into Peru for a year. Right. But that's what she, she's studied in a different way. She's very beautiful in, in, um, knowing and understanding sacred tradition. She really keeps the safety and the sacredness of certain teachings. I always go to her for like to make sure that we're always in alignment with anything that we're doing from a sacredness standpoint. Like there's a lot of elements that she brings that her and I amplify together. She came to me and she said, Rachel, the podcasting makes me so fucking tired. I don't like scaling a company. I don't want to be the face and it's fucking beautiful. It's so awesome because what we've done as a society is that we've glorified being the CEO, being the boss babe, being the entrepreneur, like doing these things that like everyone's trying to be the face of a company and they're burnt out, they're tired, they, but at their core, they want to amplify a mission and they, they're true. Like she is like one of the most purest humans that I know. And she's just like soul. And our missions are the same. And I said to her, I was like, we need to start glorifying the entrepreneurs, the people, not, not just the people that are meant to be the face of it. The people that are, I'm going on a tangent right now, but I'm so passionate about this. Go for it. The people that are the face of these companies get to step aside and realize it's not about them. It's not about their likes. It's not about their followers. It's not about their damn number of downloads. It's about the mission that it is that they're serving. You want damn good people on your team that don't want to be the face and don't freaking take it all to your ego and to your head that you are the damn face of it. Like it, this stuff makes me so like lit up because we need to start amplifying missions 
and have pockets of people amplifying those missions. And there's going to be roles within that people. We need to stop glorifying people that are the face of it or that have big followings. We need to start really glorifying the people that are purely soul led by a mission. And so my number one piece of integrity in building my company is that people have to be genuine and in integrity with the mission and driven by the mission and in their divine purpose. And so with her, she's got gifts on gifts on gifts and knowledge and being the face of it makes her tired. And so for me, this lights me up. I want to be on podcasts all day. I want to be on a stage. I want to do these things. It's actually what I was meant to do here, but not from a place of look at me. I'm meant to be followed. It's like, no, I'm really amplifying a mission. And it just so happens that I happen to be in a position where I was born to be the face and glorifying and amplifying all of the other voices that are technically supporting me but but they're supporting the mission it's they're they're not just supporting it's not me it's that they're supporting the mission and so with her in this role my company is about to 100x because what she gives to me is this even deeper level of knowing and trust somebody that i know i can trust so fully her gifts are phenomenal. She's amazing in the space. And I protect her at all. Like I protect her so fully. I protect her gifts. I protect who she is and she doesn't need to be the face of it. And I take care of her and I funnel her clients and I funnel her things and I funnel her all this stuff that she doesn't have to go out and be the face. And she gets to amplify her own voice and her own mission within the pocket of it's fucking spiritual. And so I don't know how I even got on that, but like going back to the roles, Every single person, if you get quiet enough to listen to the awareness that you have, what are you actually good at? What are What is your role within the mission that you're meant to serve? And don't be so in your ego that you either have to be the face or if you are the face, thinking that it's all about you because it never was. So that I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> really embod embodying that uh, actress in you. <laughs> It's just, it's you know, I got a lot of parts. I got a lot of facets, you went, you like, went somewhere that with lights that. Lights me up. It lights me up. You asked like, how do I know about? Yeah, like it's it's the awareness that I'm supposed to be the face, and but but also the awareness that that doesn't really matter, and amplifying everyone else because they're so important. Like I couldn't do this without the team that I have behind me in the integrity in which they walk. A hundred percent, and yeah. I, I know that there are so many people who amplify that exact same sentiment, which is without the people around you, you couldn't pull off half the stuff you do. Where this goes next is what you were saying about needing to at least, you know, you're speaking about how CEOs and the people that are the faces usually get the most recognition, right? It's what everyone kind of looks at and strives at some point to be. I want the following. I want the numbers. I want the money. I want the women for guys, at least. I mean, I guess there's some women that want women and there's a whole bunch of different genders at this point, I guess. But the crux of it being right is that we see the, the pinnacle, right? There's that, that top piece, which would be the, the face of a very successful organization. So in what way do you see of this almost reorganization or this, maybe it's not even a reorganization, but this new landscape, this shift, this shift of 
disseminating, let's say, admiration onto people. Do you put thought into how you shift that? Or is there a way that, you know, this person who isn't the face, how we're able to cultivate the deeper acceptance that they're not the face and glorify that more? Well, I think it's like the deeper acceptance that they're not the face. I think it's the culture in which you create, let's just talk about inside of an organization. It's twofold. Leadership always comes from the top down. So like, I understand that at the end of the day, there are just certain things that are always going to fall on me. This is my company that I've created. And then I'm bringing people in, right? So there's certain things that come along with being the face and acknowledgement. Number one, acknowledgement is so huge acknowledging people for their gifts, acknowledging people for the way that they're serving, for what they do, thanking people, gratitude, seeing them, being with them. Don't just bulldoze over people of like, do this, do this, do this, and bossing people around. Listen, ask questions. What is it that you need? What are your goals? And then also like just really seeing and acknowledging the work that people are doing for you. Don't allowing a day to go by that that be unnoticed. Acknowledgement is huge inside of my organization. And to the greater world, and the, it's the language in which I speak on my podcast, it's the way I empower people inside of my containers, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer for you. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be anyone's guru. That is the language that I use all the time. I don't know. I'm also a human, just like you. I will give you perspective shifts. I'll hold up a mirror. I'll ask you powerful questions for you to go within yourself. But I will always empower you to have your own answer because you do. That's the work I'm trying to do here. So I'll give you in my retreat, for example. I just did a retreat with 15 women. And it was two weeks ago in, in here in Austin, Texas. And we made it a point. My number one value in those, in those spaces is safety. And the safety I know is created from me. Everyone's looking at me for creating the safety of the container. It's in, extremely important or people are not going to be able to do the deep work that they came there to do. So safety is number one. But besides the safety, it's also empowering people once they're, they know they're in it safely held in a container. I don't try to fix them. Don't try to take, my ego doesn't try to take on that I need to have the answer for someone. I always lead somebody back home to the power that they have within themselves, and I trust themselves to hold it. Hmm. I trust them. So you've got you. And that was the thing that was in the fabric of my entire retreat. You're having something come up for you. You have something that's scary. You have something you've got yourself and empowering people to know that they can do that and holding them in a safe container in which they can try that on for maybe the very first time. So it's acknowledgement and it's an empowering of individuals in their divinity. And my intuition, based on everything you're saying here within your organization, First of all, it sounds super dope. Like I, I might want to, I might want to join myself. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty fun. Well, that's what I. That's what it sounds like. And even from this perspective of acknowledgement, empowering, 
I have to imagine that you see a a loyalty, a a I mean, even you must see the empowerment that occurs within your work or, or like the people who work for you. You must see yeah. that they're putting out these grand projects and they're able up to the task. So I guess do you see that? Like do, do you see any let me let me phrase it like this. Do you see any feedback from them that they say, you know, they they almost mirror your admiration or they say how inspired they are to work for you or they yeah. they say anecdotally that this is the most productive they've ever been, you know, things along these lines. Yes, it's very much reciprocal in the love that we have for one another. We have a deep reverence for each other and deep respect. And not just within my organization, but within my community. I have a community online like I've never seen. And it didn't even really fully hit me until I was in person with the 15 women and we're all crying together and I'm seeing the impact that the show has had on their lives and being inside of my containers has had on their lives. But it's not me, it's the, I'm simply a mirror for what they have within themselves and we just bring it out of each other. So they have, it goes, it's reciprocal. It's just deep love, deep admiration, deep reverence, deep respect. And I give that and I receive that in return from them. And I also have a very high standard for myself and for every other person around me. And that's very much communicated. And yeah, it's a, it's, I'm very fortunate to have the community and the team that I have. Um, I just love them so much. Yeah. It's beautiful. Is cursing allowed in the office? <laughs> oh, it's always allowed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're allowed to do any, come as you are. That's what I always say. All of you is welcome here. <laughs> it's beautiful. And no, I bring it up too, because I know, I think you've talked about this on past podcasts or maybe I saw it somewhere, but even the idea of cursing, I know from a religious perspective where it's just that, right? People see it as a curse. They see it as negative. They see it as bad. They see it as you're not all that you can be. So I'm very curious, especially given the fact that you put the name in your own podcast. Yeah. Have you done deep diving into the history of cursing? Like what, where does this come from? Why are there certain words that humans are not allowed to say? And if you say them, we deem you as being a little bit less or less intelligent or less caring than others. It's interesting. I mean, I think that's all a projection, like, right. It's just all a perspective. And I will say there is something to be said about words do carry a frequency. Um, and I've even grappled with this myself because as I've continued on my journey, I'd say the way I speak has transformed quite a bit. And like the human side of me, the messy side of me, the Rachel that's sitting right here will probably always love a well-placed fuck. 
you know, <laughs> like it's just like there's certain things that I'm just kind of down for. But within the name of the podcast. That was deeply intentional. Because going back to the role that I play. This is multifaceted and very layered and we can unpack it, but it's fucking spiritual in those three words without me having to say anything else. You know my vibe. You know what I'm about. You probably know what I'm going to talk about and you know it's going to be different and you either love it or you don't. It holds the law of polarity. That was extremely intentional. and. I am very much about holding the dichotomy of the messy human experience as well as seeing and honoring the divinity. So the polarity of, of putting those two words together, I believe, is incredibly powerful because it encompasses the all that is this human existence. And what it tells someone just in the title you're safe here all of you is welcome here if if this is what you vibe with okay the people i'm reaching so going back to my role there is a lot of society that has been told you have to have rules you have to have you're bad if you curse you're wrong if you this you're that there's shame that is um you know, the undertone of a lot of that, there's a lot of people that are unlearning a lot of the I'm bad, I'm wrong, I have to be a good girl, I'm, you know, all of the shame that's layered on top of society. Those three words already begin to unpack that because it shows you you can be different you can curse and you can still be spiritual, right? You can be both. You get to accept all of who you are and it's welcome here in this space. So people who are maybe waking up to wanting to change the reality, maybe wanting to realizing maybe there's more out there for me, what are they doing? They're gonna begin to question and then they're gonna go look for answers. If the answers that they see all only hold one way, which a lot of like is the love and light. It's a lot of the, and there's nothing wrong with those. Going back to like being a monk, everyone has their own role. And there is a pocket that was not filled at all. And it was this pocket of being able to hold both. And what it does is it bridges people from asleep to awake. So people that maybe were to seek answers and only see love and light, and then they see that like, well, I still have all this stuff or like, oh, but I, you know, maybe they have religious trauma or maybe they have like whatever their story is, right? Well, I'm not like these people, so I'm going to shut it all out, which is exactly what I did before. Hmm. So the language in which I'm speaking lands for an entire population that otherwise felt alienated. 
So I'm not doing it to be the most spiritual person or to the, be the person that's all the love and light. I'm doing it because I understand my role. And if I can help bridge that gap, for I'm not trying to reach the entire population. I'm trying to reach a big population that was otherwise alienated. And I have, which is really cool. But the, there is, so that's the, the purpose of it. And then if we talk from like a pure marketing standpoint of SEO, I, I, I rank so high in the SEO because what happens is people search spiritual in Apple or in Spotify and it's fucking spiritual pops up. Well, if you are in, say, if you're in the, the camp of the, of the people that I just um, described, right? Looking for more answers, seeing if you're constantly seeing love and light or manifest or like you're seeing a certain way and then you see it's fucking spiritual. What's that click? So I'm getting way more clicks than everyone else from a pure market. So now like, let's get down to the human element of the, the side of me that runs a business. So now people are clicking on it. You're only as good. Your, your mission can only reach as many people as are willing to click on it to begin with. So that is also an element of like strategic marketing because now people are clicking on it. Well, then when they play it, the vibe, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you probably see in the name. Like the, I, I talk the same, like I'm, it's the vibe, right? So it matches. And then people are like, oh my God, I've been looking for this. This is exactly what I wanted. I, I, I'm aiming to create a home for people that otherwise didn't have one. And that's the vibe that they get when they come to the show. So now I've created this family. And then from that, because it's different and because it holds for polarity and because it has a very specific niche, everybody that is within that niche, well, what are they doing? They're all telling their friends that are all similar because your vibe attracts your tribe kind of thing. So then it marketed itself and it started to gain word of mouth and that's how it grew so quickly. And so there's a lot of different layers and nuance to it, but you know, that's why the name is what it is. It's super cool. And thank you. Even at the end there, you're kind of breaking it down from like an analytic business, logical minded okay. perspective of how this all played out or unfolded. Yeah. But what's interesting is it almost seems as though you approached it twofold. You approached it as, you know, how am I going to project myself or let's say even like replicate myself in podcast form? Like if, <laughs> like if, Rachel Gibbler was a podcast. What would it be called? What would the artwork look like? What would I talk about? And it sounds like out of that, it sounds like out of that, you know, pod, Rachel Gibbler podcast projection mm -hmm. that this is, was born and it was created in such a, in such a almost divine way. And that's kind of where the beauty of it came from. Now, when you were creating it, did you have this analytical mind about you or was this almost a thing that you discovered afterwards of like, wait, why is this, why is this doing so well? And then seeing all the yeah. numbers. Yeah. I, it's funny, a little bit of both. I'd say more the second one, the breakdown I just gave you has come from an afterthought of dissecting why this did so well, because I get asked all the time all the time. Like, how's your podcast do, you know, how, because so many people start podcasts and I was very fortunate that mine took off in the way that it did very early on. 
And so I do get asked that quite a bit. And it, it very much was a dissection after the fact of like, okay, what are the elements of this that made it successful? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was actually, it's funny. It was born out of a little bit of a different place than it transformed into. I am so different than I was two years ago when we were in, in the middle of launching the show. It was almost born out of like, I needed a home for this and I didn't see it represented. And there was a little bit of rebellion in me still that isn't really what I feel inside of me anymore. But the mission was always the same. Oh, that, that thread has always been there. It was very much divine. And I kind of launched it from this place of like, is this going to work? Is this kind of crazy? Like, are people going to judge me for this? Like, I don't really know. But something is just telling me that I have to name it this. Like, I just know it's this is right. And I had a call. It says I hired a producer from the very first episode. Like, she was the one that helped me launch it. And I remember my first call with her was almost two years ago, like, to today. Wow. And... um I was, I said to her, like, do you think it's going to work? Like, is this so out there? The time no one really had fuck in the title of their podcast. Now it's funny because they're popping up everywhere. And I'm like, I want (laughs) to say I kind of helped with that, but I don't know. This Um, is my trend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I I don't know. Maybe that, that might be my ego just claiming it, which is like totally fine too. um, That's the dance we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I'm like, you know, Rachel, that's Rachel sitting here likes to think that she had a hand in that, but like, maybe that's totally not accurate at all. Um, But it, it was definitely born out of like, I don't see this represented in this like middle lane and I want to be the person that creates that because I don't feel that I have a home for the way that I speak and the way that I believe. And what ended up happening was when you follow your guidance in that way. So that's, that's also why I believe like the family that we have is so strong and why people are just like, this is my favorite. Like they're just, I have diehard people that have just been with me on the journey. And I think it's because like they all wanted a home too. Mm. And so, yeah, the mission has always stayed the same. How it presents on the outside has been different because I've changed as an individual. Gotcha. And that kind of leads in i guess to where you are now because i noticed that you haven't uploaded too frequently or recently on your podcast we're in a break okay so do you do seasons then with it or is this (laughs) so this is a funny question (laughs) um so i did the longest first season ever that was 18 months um and we wrapped in december my podcast got to the point that it got (laughs) with really not interviewing people hardly at all. I had some friends in the coaching space that I'd randomly have on, but it primarily was a solo podcast. The first nine months, it was one episode a week. Second nine months, it was two. Mm. And I did a series called Spirituality Explained, where I would break down a spiritual concept in 15 minutes or less. That's cool. And uh, super fun. People loved those episodes. So I'd do the chakras. I would do, you know, like all, all different kinds of things. I did every single universal law, like all of that stuff. And I just make it super, it's real, raw, and relatable spirituality. That's what it's about. Got all the R's. All the R's. We like alliteration here. And um, yeah, I was like recording it. I had a little microphone and then I got it. I don't, I'm not like... I don't love tech, which is funny because now I have the setup that I do. And I, uh, 
would, I just decided to do away with the microphone and I would lay in my bed and none of this was filmed. It was not on video. I would record into voice notes on my phone and text it to my producer. This was wow. my, and, and I would just riff. Right. And so had this realization last summer, about a year into the podcast, it was doing super well. And I'm like, you know, I think it's time to like really take this seriously because if this is doing this well, not on video without amplification of other people's voices, not doing interviews, what could it turn into if I really decided, okay, let's amplify this. So I moved to Austin and I moved to Austin in December and uh, decided to take a break unintentionally. It was originally supposed to be one month that ended up turning into four and now almost five, unfortunately, but, or fortunately, however you look at it, right. It's all, it's all in perfect timing, but, um, I started to make a lot of connections here, um, in Austin, we've already filmed the entire first season. So I did, or I'm sorry, not first season. I would say second season, but I'm not doing seasons anymore. I just say the first three months we've filmed okay. and I had interviews. And so now we're going to switch to one interview a week, roughly, um, and one solo episode a week. So still two episodes, um, but all filmed. I've expanded my team. So there was a lot of things that needed to happen on the back end. I hosted my first retreat. Um, you know, obviously it was hiring and things like that. So it ended up being an unintentional, very long season one, took a five month break, coming back. And we're about to relaunch here in about the next two weeks after I facilitate another retreat next week. So, <laughs> um, so lots of beautiful things that are happening. And then I, who knows when I'll take a break again. I don't foresee, it's not like I'm, here's a season for three months and we stop. I, I have intention of fully continuing this, but there was a lot behind the scenes that needed to happen in order to relaunch at the capacity and with the quality that I wanted to. Which is always important. And it's funny too, because yeah. I think you're probably of the last 10 guests, probably like the last seven have been in Austin and it's got me sitting yeah. here like, oh, maybe I should go. Maybe I should make the move. Maybe that's the place everyone's getting. Yeah, it's uh, this place is a vortex, I will definitely say. There are people that I've known of for a long time that are now my friends and um, it happened very quickly. I, I moved here. I was I was very, I'm very glad that I waited to move until I did because I got to a place where I was successful enough in my career that like I really got my foot in the door with a lot of people from the first first part of moving in here. And I was like, okay cool. Like this is, this is exactly where I'm meant to be, but I moved here for the filming of the podcast. Mm. So, I mean, so whenever you're saying that the podcast is doing really well, like, give me like, how did this trajectory play out? Like, what do the numbers look like? So, I mean, we're doing about 50 K a month Wow. right now. So like pretty good, I'd say, um, without launching, like, right. So it's, we're still, that even like going, were you going on other podcasts at the time too? No, just all, just all by yeah. So, following that intuition. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I launched, I launched my coaching business only about a year and a half ago. And so it did really well from a monetary perspective as well. I mean, all of it's relative, right? Sure. Um, but enough that a lot of people have been pitching and wanting to collaborate and things like that. So it was just an energy that I saw that it's like, okay, yeah, we'll do this. You super know? cool. I mean, you're killing it. I, I think it's Thank super you. dope to see that 
that amount of success as a possibility, especially in this space. Because it seems like this space and spirituality people, it can be difficult, right? It can be difficult mm-hmm. to find your footing or grav your gravity. That doesn't make sense. You can find your footing and at least like to connect with people or to find that mm-hmm. like niche within a niche audience and to be like, yeah, like this is possible. This can be done. And then I think it's even more powerful how you were saying that you just even used your phone. Because I know I've told people this before where that that voice of excuses comes in of, I don't have a nice mic. I don't have a nice camera. I don't have this. I don't have that. And it's like, your phone has a pretty good mic on it. You should just use that. Yeah. 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 It's really, I, I mean, I used to allow that to get into, you know, my excuses as well. I was very like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not going to tech and all these things. And for me, when I back myself up against a corner, like that's actually when I do pretty well. It's so, like when I force myself to jump in the deep end and then it's like, well, you better swim, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so that's why I, personally for me, I did hire a producer because I knew that I wasn't going to execute in the way that I could if it was all on me. Um, and yeah, I mean, just take the messy action. It's the frequency which you're speaking that people want to listen to. Mm. Obviously, you want to have like decent enough audio that people are not like this is so annoying right like you otherwise they'll click off so that is important but like you don't need some big fancy setup like what i'm sitting in right now and i find it interesting too how you were talking about it sounds like you had a you had a business set up and was doing well then before you started your podcast there was kind of like Mm -hmm. this like lead up was that what was that business was it spiritually related no i had two brick and mortar uh, eyelash extension salons wait say that again that was quick i had I had two brick and mortar salons. Oh, okay. They were eyelash extension salons. So that's actually how I got my start in entrepreneurship. And so I started, I've been in the self-development world for five years. I didn't heavily launch my online coaching business until I launched the podcast, which was a year and a half, almost two years ago. But my coaching business took off so much enough so that I could sell my first two companies. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank and you. then just reinvest. It's, I mean, the typical reinvest platform exactly that's dope so what do you what are your thoughts of austin then what what do you think about it i love it here yeah yeah i love i love it like i i feel that i had a built-in family from the moment i arrived and my mentor is here and i'm really close with him and his family and um just the opportunities i mean i that was the other piece is like i built everything to the point that I did just in Houston. So in Houston, like, you know, I'm out with people and people are like, what do you do? I'm like, Oh, I'm a, a podcaster. And people are like, look at me like really weird. You know? <laughs> Whereas here everyone's like, Oh, same, like, you know, kind of thing. And so it's been really nice to have in-person people that know and understand this world. Mm. Um, and it's just simply amplified my life. I mean, my, my life has taken off in a really big way since moving here and my podcast isn't even relaunched. My program's not even relaunched, you know? And so it's really cool to witness what's happened without even the launching of like my income's completely changed. Um, just the connections and more than anything, my, deep trust in myself and my leadership and what I have to offer has completely shifted as a result of me being here 
because I finally got into a lot of the rooms of with people that I looked up to for a long time and realized that there was no difference. That's a beautiful spot then. You're like, yeah, oh, that's great. You're you're a human too. Yeah. I'm I'm one of those. Yeah, exactly. I'm one of those. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I've I've really gotten to recalibrate the level at which I'm on. And that's uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And when you say recalibrate the level at which you're on, is it like realizing that you're at a higher level or that levels are smaller than what you perceive them to be? I guess I use levels loosely. It's more that like everyone is human. My humanness is welcome. And nobody has anything that's so extra special that I don't have. I think that when we, as a collective, like just look at people on the internet and are like, oh my gosh, they're so successful or they have all these things or they've made it. And you think that, you know, once you've made it to a certain degree, you won't have the humanist aspects of like, oh, well, they must not go through all of these things. And so as I've gotten to know people, I've realized everybody goes through the same stuff everybody still you know has fears or doubts everyone's dealing with their own things in their own way and it's changed my perspective and my view on what success is or what it looks like or what you have to be in order to like be that like you know be at a certain level and I also I will say like I'm super honest about this like I'm not somebody that comes out the gates like oh I just have this in the bag like you know I I don't feel that way about myself like I know people that just have this unwavering faith and belief in themselves and they were like born like that I wasn't I'm very much I told I mean I said you know 20 30 minutes ago when we were talking like maybe not that long but (laughs) I launched the podcast of like the comp I was like, is this going to work? Are people going to like it? And then I've seen the evidence and I'm like, oh, wait, okay. So then my, and and I'm actually, this is something I'm actively working on is that I have enough evidence and belief because of how much I've quantum leaped in my life that like, oh, I, I can do this. So I'm not necessarily saying that this is like the best place to be, but like the ego side of me, like I doubt, I question and I'm like, can I do this? And then every time I prove myself wrong tenfold and hit the goal and I'm like, Oh, Whoa. Okay. Right. And so when I moved here to Austin, I just realized my level of capability and like my perception of success. And then what it actually was, it just looked really different. Mm. And so my level of belief in myself is like, uh, I'm just realizing and what I mean by recalibrating is like, I've gotten a lot of reflection from people that are watching my company expand, being like, holy shit, I'm realizing people are viewing me the way I viewed other people. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, you know, that's kind (laughs) of new, like just certain things like that. And so there's just this mere reflection of realizing like, oh, whoa, I... I am, I'm, I'm not just like thinking I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm actually doing it. Like I'm in the middle of the blessing right now. And this is all from like the Rachel ego, me talking at the moment, but like, it's true. Like it's, it's like a recalibration of my own belief in like where I'm at and what I've in like an acknowledgement of myself. 
of how far I've come. It's like really helped me to see like, oh, whoa, I'm in these rooms. I'm on these panels. I'm peers with these people that I looked up with who, who had no idea that I existed. And now, you know, it's very different. So it almost sounds like you're now giving yourself that acknowledgement or appreciation for what you've accomplished. Yeah, exactly that. That's beautiful. Thank you. I think what's also beautiful is how you hear so many times about, you know, it's like change your environment. Don't be the smartest person in the room kind of thing. And it sounds like in your story as well, that moving to Austin has really amplified that in your life as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, I always want to be the little fish in a not, I just, I, I want to always be able to, to have room to grow and expand and have expanders around me of people that have walked the path. And that's incredibly important in any path that you're walking down. And I've always had mentors, never to the caliber degree in which I have mentors now. Mm. And I have them everywhere. Like it's, it's, it's really beautiful when you're surrounded by people who can hold you in and lift you up and, and help you expand. And I'm definitely around a lot of people who have um, created in their lives what I desire to create in mine and who also live in integrity with the mission, which is really important because for me, they have to have both. I will never look at just someone of what they've created in their life from like, if they, if they don't have integrity. Right. So what do you have like a mental process or some sort of scope whenever it comes to integrity? Like, you know, for instance, I'm sure you didn't listen to every podcast of mine before thinking to yourself, oh, I'm going to associate with him, right? So is there some sort of process? Is it just an intuitional gut feeling? How do you how do you determine if somebody is... I lost my train of thought. Yeah, it's a feeling. Okay. It's a feeling for me personally. Um, integrity... That was the word. That was the word I forgot was integrity. (laughs) Integrity. I got you. Is um, when what you think, what you say, and how you act are all in alignment. Mm. And so we all have that little gut, spidey sense, intuition within us. Like if you feel that something's off, usually is. Well, you can feel when somebody's words aren't matching how they actually feel or when somebody's words aren't matching what they're doing and how they're acting in their lives. Like I go off of that more than anything. And I mean, it's a small net community, <laughs> like, you know, like, but, but at the same time, it, it it's, just, it's a felt sense. Like with my mentor right now, I knew from the moment I met him that I would, he would mentor me, um, within five minutes. Really? I, I could feel it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like a divine, it was pure divinity on both of our, both sides. Um, and now I'm his very first apprentice. Right. So there is, and I created this program with him. I was like, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no, I want an apprentice. <laughs> so, and so we created this program uh, with each other, like together. Um, but yeah, because I could feel his deep level of trust and integrity and um, safety that he created. And, and that's again, something that I don't have perfect language for, 
but it's a deep feeling. I'll get the AI on it so that they get us better yeah. language yeah, models. Yeah, perfect. Great. <laughs> Love that. I'll shoot you a text with like what the actual word is. Oh, this is the word you were looking for. Please do. Please do. Please do. I would love it. I should probably, I think that's a good idea, but maybe we'll have a whole Tower of Babel situation on our hands. So maybe we don't want that. You never know. You got to try it. It's the only way to find out, right? You got to try and fail. Yeah. And so then is this, is this feeling of integrity something that you've always had or did you have to like cultivate that over time or not even integrity, but uh, like the gut instinct? I've always had it. Just always been. Not that I always acted on it because I abandoned myself for a lot of years. Right. That caused me to like not trust myself, Mm. but I've always had it. And I've always had a sense of integrity. Like as a little kid, I was such an empathic little kid that I didn't even, I couldn't watch movies because I couldn't see the bad person in, in the movie. I, couldn't ever like look at someone being bullied at school that like I was very I felt everything as a child so I do think there's something inherent of like that's a very strong sense within me that I have and then for you know about a decade of my life I abandoned all of the things that told me not to do stuff (laughs) um and lost trust within myself but it still doesn't mean that 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 feeling wasn't there like it that always existed And I think we all have that. Like we're all born with a gut instinct and intuition. Like your, your gut always knows. And it's just how willing you are to trust and follow and act on what your gut's telling you. So true. And honestly, I usually like taking these podcasts a little longer, but my gut's telling me that this is a good spot to wrap it up. Not sure what's going on in the ether, but I have known and learned even from this conversation to follow that feeling. So Rachel, I am beyond grateful to have this time with you. A pleasure to connect with you. And I love leaving the ending of this podcast open for my guests to a plug their stuff. I know I have your link. So guys, you'll be able to find those in the show notes below. And even more so if you have like a lasting message or you want to summarize this into like a small phrase or something, you know, the floor is yours, so feel free to speak to the audience about whatever it is you wish. Mm. Let me check in. My lasting message for any listener would be trust yourself, trust the path, You're being guided. It's all working out. And you know what to do. It's beautiful. You don't plug any of your stuff? (laughs) I was like, I I was just, I was just sitting with the message. Um, Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us today on the podcast. Didn't mean to cut off your channeling session. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm just sitting here like marinating and whatever just came through. Um, but yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Rachel Gibbler, which I'm sure you will put in 
the show notes. I would love to hang out with you. Definitely DM me, message me. Let me know you came from this podcast. I've got a lot of beautiful stuff coming up. I've got my group program, Manifestation University, that's going to be running this summer, all about cultivating this intuition and trust within yourself, as well as a retreat in September. So definitely um, right now it's I'm women only focused. Um, so definitely reach out to me if that applies to you. And um, yeah, come follow me. Come hang out. Come listen to my podcast on all platforms. It's fucking spiritual. Talk all things like we just talked about on this podcast. And Clayton, thank you so much for having me on. This was uh, such a joy to do with you today. I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day. And it's your divine calling. I can feel it in your voice. So make sure you keep thank doing you. it. <laughs> I will. I absolutely will. And yeah, guys, go check out her stuff. This was dope. I certainly feel like there's a couple more of your podcasts I got to check out myself. But Generally speaking, we'll keep that for another time. And so guys, thanks. Go check out the links below. You know, like, share, favorite, do all the fun stuff. Definitely share. I've noticed that that's like a how many is it? A win-win-win-win situation cuz I win, Rachel wins, your friend wins and then you win cuz your friend knows that you listen to dope podcasts and it'll probably feed your ego a little bit. So try to do it out of your ego, but <laughs> Spread, spread the love. Yeah, just spread the love. <laughs> Even if it's not through this podcast, just spread the love however you do it. Um, and the other thing about spreading the love is that we'll talk about that when we run into each other in the sixth dimension. Mm-hmm.